since it's going to be a night of lots of reenactments, what if we just reenact that joke you were that I did earlier? <laughs> How do I make myself disappear? I'm going to make this pencil disappear. <laughs> I made my family disappear. <laughs> <laughs> The episode's so nice, they made it twice. It's Think Outside the Box set, the internet's only outrage machine. And the outrage that's powering this machine right now is my stupidity. Compounded outrage. (laughs) Outrage upon outrage. Um, Who the fuck are you? So last week, you may have noticed there wasn't an episode. For you, at least. For us, there was an episode. Uh, we did, we wanted to practice. Yeah, we just did a dry run. Um, we wanted yeah. to rehearse the script. Um, I mean, we've been doing <laughs> we've been doing uh, just like table reads and um, just like going live <laughs> with it, uh, and that's been good for us as actors. But um, we wanted to just do a dry run and like sort of a dress rehearsal for the script we're reading from right now. It's a very self referential script. For example, referencing itself just now. Um, yeah, so I put the... We just wanted to keep it loose and jazzy. I put the wrong mic cable in the wrong uh, mic hole, and uh, it didn't record. Uh, it it was plugged into a mic hole, and so Cameron could hear me, and I don't know if anyone was following along live while we were recording, but they could hear me, but the recorder couldn't hear me. Um well, if we, I, I said on the on our weekly bonus show, what's in the box weekly on our Patreon, that uh, if we double our Patreon listeners, which shouldn't be too hard, <laughs> uh, then um, I'll release the camera known the camera only audio. <laughs> so you got to do it before I forget and delete it. Yeah, <laughs> hurry up. By the way, I'm Cameron Dewitt, and this is Nathan. Hello, Hunt. it's me. Uh, the dummy who deletes, or it's not even delete stuff. The dummy who doesn't even create stuff in the first place that could be deleted. <laughs> How can you delete something you never recorded? <laughs> I recorded a lot of silence, so that's something. <laughs> you sure did. I recorded something, and it's the Cameron. You know what? So, it's the thought that counts. Um. Yeah. Tell us about what season this is and what the hell uh, we're doing. Season twenty-three. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and this is the smorgasbord season. Um, our our uh, listeners have been, for years, giving us good suggestions on our Discord. Uh, link to the Discord will be in the show notes. Great suggestions. Every suggestion, Every suggestion, suggestion that, our, that our listeners make, it could be a whole season that, and nothing would go wrong. I mean, so far, I don't think I've seen a suggestion that would be worse than Smash Mouth. So, just saying... <laughs> Unless that was a suggestion. I don't know. That might have been also we, a suggestion, That too. Corrin episode, uh, like, I don't yeah. know. Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth was really bad. Yeah, I feel like... It was really bad. It was so stupid. At least with Corrin, there were things that we could, like, think about. Yeah, kind of and I feel like moments. there's... I think there's something to be said for Corrin in the same way there's something to be said for ICP of, like some of the community or like like it feels like it has a possible like positive effect whereas like smash mouth i don't think has any positive effect possible anyway no uh yeah so uh just just uh covid positive testing for covid did the whole band super spreaders (laughs) get covid do you remember that there's a video of maybe I can find a learning link for it? Um, oh, this is but uh, there's a video of Smash Mouth being like, "Fuck all this COVID shit," and I think they were like uh, performing for some sort of biker rally oh, or yeah. something. Okay, I think I remember this. Yeah, yeah, they're very anti <laughs> anti uh, anti vax or anti mask or some some stupid. Yeah, shit. well, Cameron, you so. just you don't really know what's in the vaccines, like. It's like big pharma, and there, there's like formaldehyde and stuff, like what, and like cyanide, and like what is even in there, you know? And like, yeah, do you want to put that in your 
veins? I personally only engage with things that I 100% understand, which I can do because of how cripplingly intelligent <laughs> it's a real disability what do i do with what do i do with all this power <laughs> no one man knowledge should have, have all that power also no. someone who's not a man um <sighs> kanye um what oh fuck i was trying to explain kanye the damn is thing a man, i'm not <laughs> to explain uh, oh yeah what are we talking about today nathan so, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by my co-host. Uh, this is smorgasbord season. Listeners have been suggesting artists. And there's been a lot that seem enticing, but we feel like we couldn't do justice in a whole season. Like, they have 69 albums, like Willie Nelson does, or um, their corn. <laughs> 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 Who don't have that many albums, but... We didn't feel like, but they are corn. But they all are also are corn, and it was like, can yeah. we actually do it? Can, can we? Can we be interesting and funny and um, worth listening to for a whole season of corn? And I think the answer is probably no to that one. Although I don't know, I had more to say How about corn than I thought I would. <laughs> can we? Um, oh can shit! We... Are we gonna have to do Nickelback at some Handle. point, Cameron? Yeah, I would talk about. I listened to that album at least once okay. as a kid. The uh, that one, the one, that one album. Yeah. Anyway, I like your pants around your feet. What? <laughs> I like your feet around the ground. Huh. I don't. <laughs> you know that no, song? I don't think I do. It's about um, just to- a toxic heteronormative relationship. That sounds like a bold, fresh new topic Have you for ever pop noticed- music. <laughs> Have you ever noticed how much men and women hate each other, but they but they are attracted to each other? Oh, it's like Isn't cats and dogs. We, I think I'm the first person to think of that. It's Nathan. Sh- sh- shut up. <laughs> shut up. I, I'm onto something. It's almost like men are from like a different like planet, Mars. No, that, <laughs> let's say Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Low, uh, lowest, wish. stupidest, <laughs> dumbest possible place to take it. I, I still don't think I've finished explaining. Um, so, for those artists, we don't think we could do a whole season about. We're like, let's just do one episode, take their most notable or influential or most popular album, talk about it, and then move on to the next of those artists that we want to talk about for one album. That way we don't have to be locked in and we can still... Um, show some appreciation to the listeners and the people who have been suggesting artists to us for a long time. Uh, and today we're talking about uh, Captain B. Fart and his magic band. And the album is <laughs> Trap Mask Replica. And I will always be pronouncing his name that way. That's the most delighted I will be for this whole episode. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. It's all downhill from here. Your one joke is more entertaining than anything that he did, I think. I agree. I have to agree. Um, the idea of a bee farting is funny. <laughs> it's a little it's a little buzzy to me. Um, whatever, which, what, whichever part of the bee that makes the buzz noise when it's wiggling its little butt around, I think the fart would the activate cloaca. That. Don't you think? They have cloacas, right? What? I said the cloaca. They have cloacas, right? I'm sure they do. Uh, and so the fart yeah. would, you know, uh, buzz that little part back and forth, and then there would be a buzzing yeah. noise. Uh, yeah, make that cloaca clap. <laughs> clap that cloaca. Yeah. Um, shit. Okay. So Trout, maybe? <laughs> Trout Mask Replica, 1969. The band is the Magic Band. The man is Captain B. Fart. And um, and there's an ampersand between. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a well-regarded album for mysterious reasons, uh, and it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like our rudest I episode. Know. <laughs> People love this album. They do love this album, and I feel like I feel like we were yeah. way more charitable last week, but we're totally over it by this week, and we're just being cruel. Oh my god. Um, so sorry about it's that. It's a double album. It is a double it's album. like uh, eighty minutes or something. Yeah. Um, Rolling Stone ranked it as number sixty on their 2012 edition of the 500 greatest albums of all time. So it's well regarded. 
Boomers like it for whatever reason. Um, last week I talked about uh, how different music was and the world was in 1969 and how a lot of this stuff might feel more like groundbreaking because they're mixing like blues and like trashy garage rock with free jazz and like avant-garde shit and um, like stream of consciousness writing and uh, there's an interesting tension between composition and improvisation on the album so there's there's definitely like a lot of stuff going on um, and I could see it being hailed as like novel or like breaking new ground but um, I those kinds of things don't tend to age all that well like I don't really like the Beatles White Album there that much either and so, and so I talked about Dada the artistic movement um, and how speak on that what's that speak on I that I shall um, Dada for Dada. us Dada can you do it in a Dada way? Oh boy, no. Because <laughs> then I, I don't think I could actually communicate anything about it. Um, so that was a movement that uh, it just like basically tried to make totally nonsensical art uh, in a nutshell. Um, and hence the name Dada, because that's a totally nonsense phrase that they named their movement after. Um, and so uh, it, w- it broke a lot of new ground in that sense because it helped push the envelope in terms of like, making art less representational and like making it less focused on meaning and allegory and all that kind of stuff. And like allowing people to be more expressive and like have art for art's sake. Um, but I don't really like any Dada art. And I think, I don't think Dada particularly has much artistic value. It might have some social value in terms of breaking new ground and pushing the envelope and like opening up new space for other people to explore. But I don't think, like, I don't know. I don't think it's... it's. Can you speak more on the difference between artistic value and social value? Shh. That's like a heavy idea mm-hmm. or a... There's a lot there, and I I think that I want to hear more about that. And I've already heard you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you must really want more. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to talk more about it. I think... Um, Art always takes place in a context, obviously, in a society and in a community. And those societies and communities have their own built-in biases and limits and um, boundaries that they're not willing to cross. Um, Some of those can be good things. (laughs) Some of them can be very restrictive. And art, by the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century, had become so highly... Like, I'm... Okay... I shouldn't speak in such universal terms. Art in like Western European and American cultures had become very restrictive and very formalized and um, conventionalized in a lot of ways. There had been some experimentation with like the French impressionists and like some of that other stuff, but uh, a lot of the more respected art was like very conventionalized. And um, that was the social environment that the Dada artists uh, appeared in. And I think that they, by being so provocative and um, flouting convention and uh, they, they ended up like calling into question all of the like underlying foundational assumptions that were underlying like the artistic community at the time. And that I think is a very valuable or can be a very valuable thing to do um, to sort of help a community rethink some things and be like, Hey, there's a bunch of stuff we've been taking for granted or just like kind of assuming without really thinking about, maybe we should actually think about these things and maybe there are alternatives. Um, So that's my best attempt to explain like some of the social value of like being provocative or like pushing the envelope. But I, I think in isolation, if you just take those artistic works on their own, I don't think they, add up to very much like i don't think they really stand the test of time because they are they're like they're like arrows pointed directly at the um community that existed at the time trying to break it wide open and they're like you know they're like pinpointed accuracy but they don't really do much for us in this time period for me i don't know that's kind of a long random rambling attempt to explain what i think i mean well i asked for it (laughs) you asked for it i (laughs) <laughs> I think that the 
that the issue is that um, sensibilities are a moving target mm-hmm. and that challenging sensibilities by shocking, mm. by doing something shocking, you know, that's inherently just not going to stand the test of time unless you do something that is way, way, way ahead of your time. Right. And, um, you know, like we've talked about this before, like on, um, like, like talking about ICP or Slayer or some of these other things, like, uh, some of these other artists that are dealing with subject matter that is shocking to the sensibilities. Maybe they're in a, an ultra conservative environment and they're doing something to subvert uh, the comfort of of people and to make people feel unsafe and less empowered and that can be socially valuable but ultimately when you think about uh slayer's music well when you think about the content of slayer's lyrics mm-hmm. i'll say because i think some of their l- music is great but their lyrics are kind of boring and they're not as they're not as poetic or as interesting as like you know, it's just like read Dante's Inferno or something, you know, or like read some actual satanic literature or some demonology or something. Um, they're not eloquent people, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're not particularly poetic. And the main thing that they have to offer is shocking what to them was a modern sensibility. Right. But today it's not shocking. And all that's left is well, if this isn't shocking, what is its value? And it's like, lyrically, none Mm -hmm. to me. It's like, this is not interesting. And I feel the same way about this album. Like, it is shocking to the sensibilities in the sense that it is not, it doesn't seem to be following rules um, Mm -hmm. of like what music should sound like. Um, a lot of it is baldly kind of um, bitonal. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this last time. I think that's the the term for it. Everyone's a little bitonal. Depends um, on where they are. In, in my the opinion, Kinsey. scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I identify as pantonal. Very good. <laughs> uh, I like colors. I only make tones there. on a pan flute. <laughs> um. So, like, Bartok would be a great example of bitonal the music, which is from where Anastasia? You- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bartok was a, I think, a Hungarian composer, and he... The Bat was a composer, too? His whole That's sh- cool. Oh, my gosh, shut <laughs> up. Aaron's so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did a lot of, um, t- you know, kind of appropriating if I remember right, Hungarian folk music, mm-hmm. and he was Hungarian as well, and then sort of turning it into this, like, experimental, modern, um, at the time, uh, experimentally tonal music. Um, so, like, bitonality would be like, I'll just jump over to the piano real quick. Oh. I think this will pick up. Uh, what yeah. I'm going to do is um, I'll play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, mm-hmm. and I'll do it in the right hand in um let's say in g major and then in the left hand i'll do the most shocking uh other key that possible let's say f sharp major so i'll play at a tritone so the chords will be the correct chords for twinkle twinkle little star in f sharp major and the um the melody will be the correct melody for it in C major. And I'm going to do it at the same time. And the reason I'm doing this is because a lot of this music in this album is just set up this mm-hmm. way. Two different instruments playing in two different keys. Often also at um, in different parts in there. They're starting and stopping it, the phrase lengths at different spots. In the maybe measure. that's... I'm not going to do that maybe, because that would take a lot more Maybe practice. that's why people like it but so much. But I can much. do this. It's good value. It's two for the price of one. Double music. (laughs) Yeah. It's more music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, here Mm -hmm. I go. I'm going to play this real quick. Uh, Hopefully this will show up. Tell me, can you hear this? Uh, I think Discord is uh, suppressing it, kind of. But hopefully the mic picks it up. Here, I'll I'll, I'll pull over the mic. 
So I'll point it in that Who's direction. Mike. Uh, and I'll make a little. I'll make a little mark. To Mike, Mark. It's all kinds of dudes showing up here. Uh, okay, ready? Mm -hmm. Here it comes. I think I could do this. I've never done this, but. Did you hear that? I caught maybe half of it. Um, Discord is being very aggressive okay. about um, uh, suppressing it. <laughs> no bitonal yeah. music. I think it came through on the recording. I'll make sure to check uh, and I'll turn it up if necessary. But um, it is kind of an interesting effect because the brain knows the melody. I mean, it's better with a melody that right. you know or a melody that sounds idiomatic. Um, and it's like, okay, I can kind of put the melody with the chords and I can translate it into my brain into something that makes more sense. Uh, and it's kind of a fun, I mean, maybe people who haven't, you know, who aren't in debt for music, maybe it's not as enjoyable for them to listen to. Um, but a lot of, a lot of this album is just like that kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of moments where the form of the band, like the, 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 the song that the band is playing doesn't seem to be lining up. Like the stanzas of the instrumentals don't line up with the stanzas of the lyrics mm -hmm. and it seems intentional. And there's some kind of cool moments in that. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, this is like an 80 minute album and I don't feel that delighted listening to most yeah. of it. And it feels to me like its only value is in its kind of contrary contrarian nature. Yeah. And I've had this album recommended to me uh, or Captain Beefheart in general recommended to me um, by a specific kind of person. I remember this demographic conversation from last week. Here we yeah. Go. Okay. What did I say? I said something kind of mean. Um, it's, it is men. <laughs> Dudes being dudes. I've never heard a woman talk about Captain Beefheart. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a certain kind of man who, like, maybe vapes. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> maybe maybe wears, like, a pork pie hat. Ah, I remember the pork you know, pie hat. You did mention something. that last week. Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. that, you know. And like the kind of guy I, who wears a very costumey <laughs> vest from time to time. Yeah, Maybe, yeah. Or did, um, at, you know, and various fad times. I have people in my life who match that description who I have a lot of respect for and I enjoy the company of. Um, but we're just not going to, like, agree about a lot of, like, what's artistically valuable yeah. or not. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just don't care about... I don't care about this album. Um, it is kind of obnoxious to listen to. There were a few moments that I thought were interesting and there were a few moments that i thought were really fun mm -hmm. and uh but there's just too many moments in this album it's too long and it lasted forever yeah. and it doesn't if if this album was mostly just the improvised nonsense songs that are acapella from captain beefheart i probably would have been pretty yeah. into that because they're kind of fun and weird and funny they're kind of like and daniel you can hear Johnson him thinking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although less, uh, less childlike less child and not as good of melodies. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, it doesn't help that the lyrics on this album are pretty bad. Um, lots of poetic bluffs. It, this is like poetic bluff the album. Um, can, can we talk? I think we should open up this term a little bit. So, like, we've talked about the poetic bluff a lot on this show, this idea that you're using words and imagery uh, that um, maybe sounds significant, but it raises the question, is the... I used it right. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss from Nathan. Uh, it raises the question... Um, does the artist actually mean something 
by this thing that I can't decode? Right. Or is it undecodable because it's nonsense? Right. And the, the artist doesn't actually care. And to me, there there are no there are few delights in the actual language of the nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like the only purpose of it is nonsense, but there's ways to make nonsense delightful. And to me, this nonsense isn't delightful. Yeah. And, and at times it's offensive or racist. There's, yeah, there's a very racist song, uh, at least one. <laughs> or sexist. Very racist song. Yes. Um, cool. Or just like very insensitive towards um, whole groups of people who have suffered a lot. Or a trap. Or a trap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, do you, let's get into this. Uh, mask wearers. Uh, enough talking about it. Replicants. Let's talk into it. Um, oh, maybe one more. Th- as I say that, one last thing that is probably helpful to note is that um, the genius said that uh, a lot of people assume that this album features like just chaos and noise and um, cacophony and just like each musician playing their own thing, doing whatever. Uh, right. But apparently, um, this album was highly, highly rehearsed. Um, the genius says the band spent eight months stuck in a house with cult-like conditions, starving and living on a small cup of soybeans a day for a month. I don't understand the time scale on that. Um, where they would practice every single day <laughs> under Captain Beefheart's supervision. Um, yeah, so this is very intentional. Um, all the like bonkers stuff that happens on this album. Um, so now that that's been said, let's. Uh, do you want to talk about Frownland, or is that one even talking about worth talking about? I guess, yeah, let's, let's, it eases us in. It's the first song. Let's do it. Sure, sure. My smile is stuck. I cannot go back to your frown land. My spirit's made up of the ocean and the sky and the sun in the moon in all my conceits. So pretty chaotic, yeah. Um, yeah, this is one of the more coherent yes, songs, and it's still very chaotic. Yeah, um, yeah. There's like two different guitars, like hard panned left and right, doing very different things. Oh, I forgot to open up all of these lyrics. Whoopsie! Uh, Gotta get on the genius. My smile is stuck. I cannot go back to your frown land. Um, having a stuck smile sounds like a problem to me personally. Yeah. It's like it's like um, the mouth version of priapism. It's like if your smile lasts longer than four hours, you have to see a doctor because uh, it, it can get too swollen with blood and then atrophy and fall off. And then where are you going to be? Just saying. Okay. You feel more time. I need to uh, put down this idea for an episode. Okay. The mouth version of priapism. Um, so here's some poetic bluffs. Uh, it's not too late for you and it's not too late for me to find my homeland where a man can stand by another man without an ego flying with no man lying and no one dying by an earthly hand let the devils burn and the beggar learn and the little girls that live in those old worlds take my kind hand lots of poetic bluffs there probably the most prominent is let the devils burn and the beggar learn that line Uh, because I defy you to try to tell me what that is meaning or is meant these obtuse beggars the beggars just refuse to learn uh you know they just they they don't want to improve themselves they just want to hand out they just um they just want to stand on the on the street corner and just you know those guys make like hundreds of dollars a day you know and they just like they go they like drive their porsche downtown and they park it somewhere and then they walk over and they start uh they're the one percent people are talking people are talking about this uh, I, I'm laughing at it, but those are also literally things I've heard um, conservative people say. Um, yeah, so let the devils burn. Like, what what does that mean? Like, I think of devils as I mean, they're often kind of hot. They're down in that hell, and they're hot. So, like, yeah, does it mean like leave them alone, don't address mm-hmm. them, or or does it mean like fire? damn them to hell? Be- yeah, or damn them to hell. I don't like, um, and then yeah, the beggar. I just, I I mentioned this last week too. I'm going to stop trying to point out the stuff that happened last week because I'm sure it's like super annoying. Uh, Because 
it's i mean it, it's one thing if i was referring back to something everyone could hear um I do not like it in songs where they use these weird, like, archetypal characters. And, like, Bob Dylan does this a lot. Uh, Said the Joker to the thief. And we got here, the beggar. I just, I don't like the definite article placed in front of a type of person as if it's one character. That just, that makes my skin crawl. That really, I really don't like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any good examples, if there's any, like, exceptions that prove the rule. Hmm. I can't think of any. Yeah. It's always good when people talk about the man. That's true. <laughs> that is good. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, and the little girls that live in those old worlds take my kind hand. Like, I mean, I guess... I mean, won't somebody think of the children? Think of the children, specifically the little girls. The little boys can go <laughs> fuck themselves. <laughs> they can burn yeah. with the devils. Oh boy. Okay. Um, let's talk about the dust blows forward. Mm, the dust blows back. Why not? My hobby girl. Cool. We can't talk about every yes. song, though. <laughs> I mean, this is maybe one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Handful of worms and a pole fishing. Cork bobbing like a hot red bulb. And a blue jay squeaks his beak open an inch above a creek. Gone fishing for a week. Well, I put down my bush. And I took off my pants and felt free. The breeze blowing up me and up the canyon. (laughs) (laughs) This... He's having fun in this song. That's one of the things I like about it. Uh, yeah, and there's a this absolutely is, breeze blowing up me and up the canyon. So those lyrics. Well, I put down my bush and I took off my pants and felt free. Okay, I see what you're talking. Oh, bush. Okay, I get it. Uh, the breeze blowing up me and up the canyon. <laughs> I think the breeze might be blowing up his canyon a little bit. Seems like so. Uh, <laughs> And this is one of the songs that I don't know if it like really adds up to much, but there are small scale like little delights. Um, yeah, handful of worms and a pole fishing, cork bobbing like a hot red bulb, and a blue jay squeaks his beak open an inch above a creek. Like that's good imagery. I like that. Um, it's very yeah. specific. It, it feels like yeah, I'm there and I'm seeing this the hot red bulb bobbing, um, and I mean there are some like forced rhymes uh it's black now and the blackbird's feeding on rice and his red wings look like diamonds and lice um lice notoriously visible creatures (laughs) i'm not gonna call you out for stealing my joke from last week which was which that was uh (laughs) not gonna do it um it's also if you want credit for it, you should have recorded <laughs> it. <true. laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's a good point. That, one, that one's on me. Um, yeah, this it also feels very like freewheeling and improvisatory. Like what he, he sounds like he's making it up as he's going along. He sounds like a drunk who's kind of stumbling home, who's singing like kind of a half remembered song and just like adding stuff to it, or maybe he's just totally making up a song. Um, so that, it's, I mean, it's kind of cute and like fun. So I'm into that. Um, there's v- a lot of this album is just not very fun. Uh, and it would be yeah. so much better if it were fun. Um, yeah, this, this song has a certain type of hobo aesthetic that is enjoyable because it, it it's like, a I don't know, there's like some sort of sense of agency in it. Like, oh, yeah, this person is uh, having a good yeah. time. They took off their, they put down their bush and took off their pants and fell free. free. The wind blowing yeah. up me. It's great. Uh, you know what song isn't as fun uh, is uh, Decau yes. Blues. Blues of Poetry. Decau Blues of Poetry. Decau Blues. Decau Blues. Those are Poetry. Still crying by the burning back in World War Blues. One mad man, six a million blues. Down in Dachau Blues. Down in Dachau Blues. The world can't forget that misery. 
Yeah, so this song is pretty distasteful to me. Um, it feels pretty trivializing um, to, to sing Dachau Blues, Those Poor Jews. Um, still crying about the burning back in World War II's One Madman, Six Million Lose down in Dachau Blues. I... I don't I don't I don't think we need to get into a large discussion about the artistic responsibility when engaging with something like the Holocaust, but I do think maybe don't just kind of appropriate it for imagery and say those poor Jews still crying about the burning back in World War II. It's just like he, he talks about it in such a flippant way. Um yeah, um, are you familiar with the the term "person first" language? Ah, uh, yes. Language? So, say a Jewish person instead of a Jew, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like saying like the blacks mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, which you know, if it, if anyone else cringed when I said that, that's because I wasn't using person yeah. first language. I also, uh, I mean, even when like and, Goyim say say the word Jew, I like kind of like tense up a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh boy, yeah. what are they, what are they about to say? It's like, you know, with, I think there's, there's degrees of sensitivity around this. Like, I mean, I think about on the other end of the spectrum, there's that like episode of the office where someone says Mexican. And, uh, I think like the one Mexican character in the office says Mexican uh-huh. Oscar. And, uh, Michael says like, Oh, you don't, we don't say, don't say that here. And he's like, what? Mexicans? Like, I'm Mexican. That's just an ethnicity. That's an ethnic identity. What are you talking about? But for like Michael, like the term Mexican was so synonymous with um, uh, t- speaking yeah. negatively about It feels Mexicans very like revealing. That it was a slur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're, that's so a good like, point. You, there is, yeah, it's not always something to i guess yeah but yeah i think the real insensitivity of this song is invoking genocide without having anything valuable to say about it and having just nothing to offer um specifically this song is i guess the rhetorical purpose of this song is to say let's not have a world war yeah let's not do a world war again and it feels reductive to say that like the main consequences of world war two was the, the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, so and much specifically stuff happened in world one war two of the Holocaust, not to like yeah, minimize anything, of, yeah, but exactly. It wasn't just 6 million Jews who were exterminated or 6 million Jewish people who were exterminated. Also all of the disabled people, all of the, queer folks in Germany, all of the political like dissidents, um, anyone who wouldn't fall in line, lots of Romani people, um, lots of Poles and other like ethnicities that the German, the Nazis saw as being subhuman. Um, yeah. So yeah. there was, it was it like 10 or 12 million people over like in total that were exterminated. Is it, it was a, it was a fuck time. Yeah. It was, um, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like that's obviously like a huge deal. Yes. And if someone were to take on the responsibility of having an artistic response to that, uh you would hope that they would have something more sensitive to offer. Um here's here's an example. Uh some people say that Steve Reich's piece uh Different, Different Trains, Trains yeah. is one of the best artistic responses to the Holocaust Mm -hmm. or to world war two in general. Um, and I don't know if I can necessarily specifically defend that idea, but I think Steve Reich is Jewish. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think he is. (laughs) Um, and, uh, he seems to have a Germanic last (laughs) name. Um, so maybe he could speak to that aspect (laughs) too, of in his identity. But, um, the piece is like really beautiful, intense, and powerful, and there's enough specificity because it's about trains and like the urgency of 
uh, like part of it is sort of about like the urgency of needing to get on a train mm-hmm. um, when there's when you need to go somewhere else, um, which is relevant right now, yes. uh, as we speak in uh, at least in one one conflict that I can think of. Um, but yeah, in like World War Two, so much stuff happened. Uh, like there's the, everything that Japan did in oh, China, yeah. which is like. A fucking nightmare. Yep. There's everything that the U.S. did to Japan. There's the stuff that Japan did to the yeah. U.S., you know, and like... Stuff the U.S. Um, did to Vietnam. There is all sorts of stuff that happened in Africa that no one yes. talks about during World mm-hmm. War II. Um, I mean, like, not enough people. And, like, so, like, this... There's so much that happened in World War II, and this song is, like, you know, taking, in my in my opinion the the easiest um most identifiable with uh like victim right of world mm-hmm. war two which is ultimately people who would be folded into whiteness or have conditional access to white su- supremacy mm-hmm. and um and they are like sort of clear uh easy victims that you can be like well yeah like this is the the most atrocious thing that happened but you know people don't talk about um, all of the other victims of World War right. Two uh, that maybe are harder for pe- for for people's sensibilities to to defend, like um, all the closet eu- eugenicists yes. out there or homophobes, Which or are, mm, there are more closet eugenicists than I think are aware of themselves as such. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the yeah, like. I think this song is so, um, it feels so insensitive to me and it would feel different if Daniel Johnston was singing about it, but I don't know enough about Captain Beefheart and I don't think, I don't think he's got a similar kind of (laughs) situation going on. Uh, and this seems just flippant because of privilege as opposed to because of, just having a legitimately different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, the next song is is racist. We've talked about three yeah. songs. The next song is racist. Do we want to just say that it is and move on, or what do you want? How do you want to handle it? Yeah, maybe maybe an interest. Let's not yeah. listen to it, but there's an interesting like kind of cultural thing that's worth explaining, uh, and I'll do it really quick. But there is a subgenre of Blackface Minstrelsy, which is the Ugly Girl song, which basically is um, talking about uh, the the narrator is a you know a a black man. Um, the character, the narrating character, is a black man who has feelings for a woman who is um, ugly uh, and. Or straight up, like, sometimes the narrator thinks... Or, like, otherwise... Or deformed, yeah, like, crossed Mm -hmm. eyes, knobbly knees, or whatever. Um, But he loves her anyway, and sometimes he loves her because of um, her her sort of sexual vigor. And um, sometimes he uh, loves her romantically. Um, And the song is this... Basically, it's always... You know, it's, like, written by... uh, Often this... I mean... I don't think everyone who wrote in this genre was white, uh, but it is a trope kind of invented <laughs> because of uh, white confusion around feeling like uh, conflicted about being attracted to black people and needing to process that through um, humili- humiliation of, of black yeah. people um, and specifically of black women. And this song is uh, this like... Or this song is kind of an example of that. It's in it's in that tradition, and it uses the term "high yellow" in a in a stupid pun. Yep, and, and that's a really um, cool racial it's slur. A, it's a that, really uh, gross song. You know, yeah. Some people might not be familiar with, but very cool to just like drop that in there. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't someone call Drake that in some song that we covered on oh, this show? Shit, I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, so that song's called uh, Eliguru. <laughs> um, it's literally a uh, minstrel song. He 
sings in like a minstrel dialect and the lyrics are transcribed in the minstrel dialect um and he just uh does not engage with that at all he's not making a commentary on it or anything he just kind of like oh, i feel like dude i feel like being ultra racist yeah yeah it seems like um it seems like captain beefheart suffers from a similar affliction as um like wes anderson mm. uh he's more interested in sort of invoking genre and doing pastiche than actually he thinks that that is an end yeah just like engaging with the aesthetic of something without engaging with anything else about it um he's like i want to do it too yeah i for a time i was really into a poet named john berryman i don't know how into him i would be now his one of his most famous works is the dream songs and um they're kind of surreal poems that feature at least two voices talking to each other and one of them is a black face character named mr bones i think um but berryman at least seems to be trying to engage with that at least to some degree from what i remember i i don't know if i think that that is what he should have done um i guess it's been a a while sure like uh yeah, that's like I think an interesting contrast is like this is probably misguided and you probably shouldn't have done this, but at least you're like I don't know, not just talking in minstrel dialect just because <laughs> I I have similar feelings about um the Dark Tower mm. series, one of the main uh four characters in that book series by Stephen King is a uh black woman who is kind of a um as kind of like a i guess you could say like a, a god i hate like invoking these terms there's like the one term that i know i can't say but like saying all of the other a, a zip coon oh, character shit. would okay. be would be the the archetype yeah. um potentially or or a jim crow character or some sort of that kind of thing um he uh, has a character that kind of follows some of those archetypes mm-hmm. and um, and then later on tries to deconstruct it. But it's like, you waited a few <laughs> books to try to deconstruct this. What's actually yeah, going sure. on? And uh, who's to say? Yeah. I think, I think more white people need to know about this shit because this was American pop culture for decades. Yeah. And so much of it, and it still yeah, is. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, so much of it that seems innocuous comes directly out of blackface and minstrelsy. Pop music, obviously, like that's that was the first American pop music um, for white audiences, at least. Um, cartoons, cartoons come directly out of uh, like the minstrelsy blackface tradition. Yeah. In, I mean, in fact, several early cartoon characters are literally minstrel characters. Um, yeah, like I think like some of that Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny stuff is directly interfacing yeah. with and that. And one of the early um Warner Brothers like hit characters before they introduced like all the Looney Tunes shit is literally like a like minstrel um black boy. Uh yeah. Cool. Yeah. So like Fun. there's a there's right. a ton of stuff that like, you know, comes directly from those tropes and uh has that heritage yeah. and uh just like this song yep um okay let's not listen to it uh what do you want to talk about now uh let's like skip to maybe late i don't want to talk about this album for yeah. much longer we've only talked about four yep. songs uh and there's so many songs in this Almost too uh, many songs. i have like a bunch of yeah <laughs> Almost. Almost. Getting close. <laughs> uh, so there's this song, um, My Human Gets Me Blues. I, I think there's a cool musical moment okay. in this that we yeah, could talk let's about. Let's take a listen. Just keep coming, Jesus. You're the best dress. You look down in the sky, but you don't scare me. Because I got you here in my eye. In this lifetime, you got my human gets me blue. 
God, this must have been so difficult to play. Imagine being one of those musicians and like trying to play this on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, when I actually look at the at the credits in the Genius, it's it's only like four people. Yeah, and it seems like it's actually a lot of overdub. Yeah, like it's Captain Beefheart for you know, written by lead vocals, bass clarinet, tenor saxophone, soprano saxophone, oboe, horns, bells, engineer. You know, he's doing all mm-hmm. that stuff, and then there's a few more people who are doing other yeah. stuff. So like. Maybe it wasn't quite as orchestrated <laughs> and as intentional and all in the in one moment in one take, you know that yeah, kind of thing. For sure. I mean, it's definitely not like just one take, but um I mean, potentially it could be the guitar, bass, drums and lead vocals all being recorded at the same time. Potentially with then like other instruments dubbed on top of it. Um uh, I don't know if that's true, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, there's two things I want to talk about in this song. One is, I think there's this like kind of interesting moment mm-hmm. in the lyrics that actually makes me think like, oh, what's going, what's uh, going I on I here? I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, uh, you were afraid you'd be the devil's red wife, but it's all right. God dug your dance. And would you have you young and in his harem dress you the way he wants because he never had a doll? Because everybody made him a boy, and God didn't think to ask his preference. Can you bring your dress and your favorite dog and your husband's cane and your old spotted Did dog? Captain Beefheart just say trans rights? Maybe. Maybe. Or did... It's, it's hard yeah, to or say. Or did he just uh, have a bunch of incoherent imagery? Yeah, there's kind of like a an interesting little moment. Um, I mean, just that sentence, and God didn't think to ask his preference. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot in yeah, there. Yeah, because the... Because um, everybody made him a boy, that's maybe a more even yeah, weighty idea. The he is God, right? In in this... I don't I, know. I mean... <laughs> Or maybe it's the de- it's the devil. You were afraid you'd be the devil's red wife, but it's all right. God dug your dance and would have you young and in his harem. That seems like that's God. He dug your dance and would have yeah. you young and in his harem. Dress you the way he wants because he never had a doll because everybody made him a boy and God didn't think to ask his preference. It seems like syntactically <laughs> the he in that it seems like a single sentence question mark uh, seems to be God. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Uh, who's to say whether the syntax According to Captain Beefheart, God is trans. I mean, I said this album was ahead of its time. You heard it here, folks. There's also a cool seven hemiola. A hemiola hospital then. Is. (laughs) It sounds dangerous, but it's actually pretty cool. Uh, It's when you have some sort of pattern that doesn't add up to the time signature that you're in. So in this case, the time signature, I think, is like a 4-4. Four, four. And there's a hemiola of 7. Um, and so the 7 eventually meets up with 4-4, four, four, but only at the lowest common denominator of 4 mm-hmm. and 7. I'm not a mathematician. I don't know what that is. I think it's um, 12. And then... And I think it's the yeah. greatest common <laughs> I'm oh, sure. Wait, hang on. Yeah. There's something about that. I don't know. <laughs> So uh, there's two, if I remember right, in this sound sample, there's two different guitars that um, are playing two different groupings of seven, but they're starting at different points in the measure. So it's kind of cool. And then it stops, and it feels mm-hmm. very intentional. Okay. When I knew you'd never come back, you were straight in to keep your old black crack patent shoes in this lifetime. You got my human gets me blues. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like minimalist music. I mean, speaking of Steve Reich, like it it reminds me of like well, at least when I'm imagining the the performers playing it, I kind of imagine the same way that someone would try to play like music for 13 musicians with like, okay, I just got to concentrate on my part and like not let everyone around me like fuck up what I'm doing and like 
get in my head or like try to play along with their rhythm because I'm doing my rhythm and my rhythm is banging on a rhythm going bonk, 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 bonk. <laughs> it's a uh, music for 18 Shit. musicians. Is it? You're right. It is. Fuck. Yep. Thank you. It's that lucky 18, not the unlucky 13. Um, okay. Barely legal music. We haven't actually talked about that much that we didn't talk about last time. We haven't talked about anything we didn't talk about last time. We didn't talk about My Human um, Gets Me Blues last time. Uh, oh, did no, we not we get around to that? I thought we Do did. you want to talk about Hair Pie um, Big 2? Sure, this is one of the instrumentals. No, that's not the one I want to talk about. What's the um, What's the one where they're being super annoying? Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll have to be more specific. Well, we can talk about Ant-Man B, oh, the racism bad Pena song. is the one I was thinking of. It's annoying okay, in a very specific Pena. way. Uh, fuck, I didn't get a sound sample of it. Fuck it, we're doing live. Um, here we go. Pena. <laughs> so tapered. That's right. No, I think I need more of the dialogue. That's the annoying part. Here we go. The mascara snake, fast and bulbous. Bulbous also tapered. Yeah, but you've got to wait until I say. Also, a tin teardrop. <laughs> Christ. Again, beginning. Fast and bulbous. That's right. The mascara snake, fast and bulbous. Also, a tin teardrop. Bulbous also tapered. That's right. Uh, so sounds like they're trying to wake up a, a sleeper agent. Yeah, that's the activation phrase. Um, this is, I mean, this is this is the same kind of shit that shows up on the internet in like the early two thousands, where it's like, lol, random purple monkey cheese dishwasher, like all that kind of shit. Um, uh, OMG, so random. Wait, say that again. <laughs> Slow down. I can't keep up. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, there's the, the phrase fast and bulbous, I think, uh, shows up several times on this album, but it really just seems like they're being like, lol, wouldn't it be random if we said fast and bulbous, especially if we said it in a silly voice. If I said fast and bulbous, like it does seem that way. Very annoying to me. Um, yeah, the only, like the only thing that I, I feel like can be fast and bulbous and also t- tapered is a turd that's the only thing i can think of <laughs> uh, so oh my god a couple of turd boys is what i'm saying um there's a nice little moment you want to play my sound sample of when big jones sets I up That's fun. I just think that sounds. It great. reminds me of Banana Phone. That, like the ultra raspy falsetto <laughs> from Banana Phone. Yeah, this phone drives me bananas. It's That's so. I just like that part of that song. Uh, yeah, you have a you have a sound sample from Sugar and Spikes that says more of this. What does that mean? Oh, I think it's more of that. What oh, we just listened well, to. Here we go. We sh- you should play it. <laughs> yep that's great great. it's even more like banana phone which makes it even better um also Um, this song is is this song kind of good should we just listen to like oh yeah yeah this this one sugar and spikes this has some good imagery in it some good lyrics well i'm paid up in home in my new friday's house there's no h on my faucet there's no bed for my mouse uh, uh, my punching grow in diamond back time. Now it's king for a day with my lady who look fine. Last half not as good, but I like the imagery of there's no H on my faucet. There's no bed for my mouse. That feels like playfully talking about how the place they're living is not very good. Doesn't even have hot water. It's a cold water uh-huh. shack, basically. Or a cold water flat, I guess is the phrase. Um, yeah, there's some good, there's some good imagery in this song. Um, I also like like the phrase sugar and spikes. That's fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I got for that. Um, did you... We, there was a racism song you wanted to talk about? 
Oh, there's a like I don't know. We should go yeah. to bed soon. Um, there's a song called Ant Man B, and there's it's kind of similar to to Cow Blues, and it's like I don't. Yeah, it's like y'all racism is bad. Yeah. I understand what racism in it is, and I know why it's bad. And let me sing to you about it. Yep. In a very in a very coherent and metaphor. we're also gonna talk about everyone's ethnicities as different colors of ants um, because that's very respectful. Um, Dave Matthews yeah. would be proud. <laughs> uh, maybe we should end on Orange Clawhammer. Um, there is just a lovely You're moment banjo obsessed, of Cameron. Always talking about clawhammers. I knew you were yeah. gonna zero in on it. <laughs> I was I was upset that there was actually no claw hammer banjo yeah. playing in this song. Uh, I had my hopes up. Um, this is another one that's like that second track, the like improvised mm-hmm. song. And there's a moment where he's clearly gathering his thoughts, and yes. I think it's funny. I'll play your sound sample of it. Uh, there it is. Uh, well, yours is only nine seconds long. I'll play a more general sound sample of the song itself, and then we'll get to you. Pass me by in tears. A jackrabbit raised his folded ears. A beautiful sagebrush jackrabbit. And an oriole sang like an orange. His breast full of worms. And his tail clawed the evening like a hammer. His That's some good imagery. I like that. An Oriole sang like an orange. Sure. Ah. But then his breast full of worms. Choice. That's good. And his tail clawed the evening like a hammer. That's good, too. I like that. And that's that's where the title yeah. of the song comes from, the orange uh, claw. Um, so this is the moment you were talking about where he's making yeah. up. Here's an eagle shine through my whole watch pocket. <laughs> A gingham girl, baby. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, there's also a moment, I didn't get a sound sample of this, there is also a moment where he, like, messes up on the pronunciation of, like, the beginning of a line, and he starts over, like, very quickly. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some, like, either remembering or coming up with it as he goes. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. This is what yeah. I was going to say. This very specific, intentional <laughs> thing. All right, can we yes. be done forever with Captain Beef? Let's Beef forever Art? be done with Captain Beefart. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, sorry for not having an episode last week. Uh, again, my fault. Um, uh, until next week. I mean, we haven't decided what we'll be talking about, but it'll be more smorgasbord episodes. Uh, you can Until that time, you can visit us online at boxset.website, email us at email at boxset.website, tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Um, you can support us in a couple different important ways by writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, uh, even more directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website and kick us a few bucks. You'll get access to all of our bonus materials, including our weekly mini-show called What's in the Box Weekly. This week, we spent a long time talking about Sensate the uh, television program from the Wachowskis, which I think is very good. If, I mean, not perfect and has some flaws, but that is also like does things that I've haven't seen any other TV show do, uh, which is great. Um, So you can hear us talk about that for (laughs) 45 additional minutes or whatever. If you support us by going to support.boxset.website. Other things you should do join the discord. Listen to Cameron's other podcast, Get Up in the Cool. Uh, it's about, I don't think I've explained it, uh, but for a long time, for several episodes, uh, it is a show that is about traditional musics, most of the, I think pretty much all the time. Uh, we're, all, all the time. All the time. And Cameron interviews people and plays music with them. And a lot of it is like Appalachian or old time or like fiddle and banjo type music. Um there's a few more widely ranging episodes as well. Uh, but it's a good time. And they delve deeply into what is folk music? What does it do for people? How do people engage with it? What does it mean to people? Why are people still playing this old, old music in these this crummy, this crummy old, old shitty old, busted up old 
garbage music in these shiny modern happy days of 2022 where nothing has gone wrong <laughs> and everything is nice yeah. um so check it out the link will be in the show notes um and until next week i've been nathan hunt and i'm a fast and bulbous turd and i have been cameron duet and i'm the mouth version of priapism <laughs> It's recording. I checked it. Okay, great. Whoopsie. Never lived that one down. <laughs> How dare you make one mistake? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the one mistake I've made so far in this show. I don't think I've made any other ones. In life. Ever. Yeah, and, and in life, too. <laughs> All you do is win, 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 no matter what. And I refuse to eat pussy. That's a that's a DJ Khaled uh, song, right? That you're referencing. Yeah, okay. it is. Yeah, because <laughs> you're the king. Yeah, in your, of your house. Of the house. Yeah. I mean, why would I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a bonkers dude. Okay. All right.